0: back to the recovery edge podcast my name is alfredo and i'm an alcoholic and today i'm joined by my fabulous co-host kayla
1: hello hello friends
0: and our new friend brian well new guest brian
2: hi my name is brian i am an alcoholic
0: hi brian thanks for joining us today brian i met you at the uh at the group here in johnstown oh my gosh what are primary we primary purpose primary purpose Um, I've only been going there like a year, so, you know, (laughs) almost. Um, And, well, let's start off with your sober date.
2: My sober date is August 3rd, 2021.
0: So you have just over two years, huh? Correct. So when I first met you, you were about one year, I bet. I bet I met you before then. Um, Yeah, I
2: think we've crossed paths at... I don't know if it's your home group, and Wren, Frederick? Yeah, on Friday nights. Yeah. Um, I think I, I saw you a time or two there, and then probably met you at Johnstown Primary. Yeah. That's cool.
0: So is that your home group? What is your home group?
2: My home group is Johnstown Primary Purpose. hmm Group in Johnstown.
0: Yeah. And you recently got a serv- another service position.
2: Yes, I am now the GSR for the Monday-Thursday Johnstown Primary Purpose Group.
0: Nice. Congrats on that. Thank you. <laughs> you're the man now. You're in charge. That's what they tell me. Really? They no. told me, no, <laughs> you're a servant. That's what I tell myself. <laughs> they always right to me. Like, yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I'm glad that you made it today.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: And... uh as you said, you've never shared your story. Is that true?
2: I mean, outside of shares in meetings, right. no, I, I don't think I've ever walked it through.
0: Well, that's exciting for us then. It'll be good practice for you too because it won't be the last time you know, that you share your story. It might be. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you get us started then? Uh, you know, uh, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like today, of course. And uh, yeah, let's start off with maybe your childhood, or your, your first drink, whichever you see fit. You know, It
2: floor's yours. floor's mine. All right. Well, let's start with childhood ish, because I don't really remember my first drink. No, I take that back. I do. It was in my childhood, oddly. Um, I'm from Southern California born in the 70s Um, parents weren't hippie hippies my dad was a drinker my dad is was an alcoholic Uh, he was the to me the fun jovial cool dad uh, when he drank when he didn't drink he was just dad So I had that to contend with, you know, becoming an adult drinker in my future, because I thought it was cool to drink. So in there was my first drink. I remember we were at one of my dad's friends shops. He was a little bit of a motorhead and they were out in front of some garage working on some dune buggy and they were drinking beer. My dad's drink was the, now coming back into hype, the Coors Banquet Beer. Now the Yellow Jackets of Yellowstone, if you're a fan. Um, I, I said, you know, hey, can I have a drink? It's hot out. And he, I don't think he even thought twice. He handed it to me, which is actually a really solid parent move to hand your kid a, a beer, a bad beer. Cause i thought it was gross like who the fuck would drink this um and you know that took care of that for many years i i was not inclined to drink as a young adult or adolescent because my parents got a divorce when i was I know, nine, ten, and it was made very clear by my mom because my dad was an alcoholic so it was always kind of a little fearful of the the drink if you will so i don't really remember the first time i really drank or got drunk with the exception of my 21st birthday which i remember that very clearly slash not at all segments I remember segments of it It was a good time. It was a good time. I did a lot of things that I didn't think I'd ever do and tell my kids they will never do. Um, And here we are. I mean, like, what, 40 years later? I'm in this room as a recovering alcoholic.
0: Why would you say recovering alcoholic?
2: I don't know because it's a term that's thrown around that I am. No, I'll, I'll go with it because I'm certainly not recovered. I am told and I'm coming to believe that none of us are. If I just go straight by the meaning of the word, it's something in process progress work in progress there's a lot of
0: semantics you know in aa when we're sharing and everybody has like their own different views and then sometimes they try to push it on you and whatever but all in all it's really how you feel that benefits you best i think you know some people i've heard people go in and say i'm a drunk even though they have like 20 years of sobriety, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm a recovering alcoholic, I'm a recovered alcoholic, I'm an alcoholic, I'm not even an alcoholic. Um, but why don't you tell us, did anybody in your early years of drinking notice that you had a problem before you did?
2: I'm sure they did. I mean, I get comments from my mother um, I think she thought I was on drugs a lot. I think she even asked me once, and I just I'm like, you know, are you on drugs? Yeah. I don't think I've ever really done drugs, but it was more of a fun way to communicate and mess with the woman. I I am certain that people saw it because I drank differently than most of the people. I associated with after college. Um, outside of going back home to visit with friends from high school, we drank the same until they all started, you know, going off and getting married and having kids, you know, because we were of that age. I was of that age, I just wasn't of that mindset. And I just wanted to, you know, keep going out and having fun. And all their wives were just party poopers. Cause you're lame now, um, and I didn't get it until you know I went off and had my own kids, and then I began to understand that you know a decade or so later, and that changed my drinking, and and that I just didn't do it as much. Um, drinking for me was never a everyday problem or I couldn't be around it or I'd hide it and you know it was I could drink or not drink but when I drank I was going to drink so you know I would just assume you know come hang out and have water you know and a Pepsi but if we're going to have beer let's drinks let's let's do this I never understood as many people say, with the quote-unquote normies, you know they can have one or two and call it a night. It's like, why did we bother then? Root beers, much better. <laughs> so I'd go out with my my ex, you know, as I say, and you know she'd get this big fancy pina colada. It's like cool, it looks neat, and we would drink two thirds of it. I'm like, are you gonna finish that? We just paid fifteen bucks for that. Now I'm good. Hold on, I would finish it or Thanksgiving dinner you know you open a bottle of wine, everyone has a glass, you open another and they just start to be you know top third of it and it's like well, we're not just gonna leave that on on drink where I got this guy's <laughs> so I mean that was that was me um I still have debates with my sponsor as to my drinking and how I see it. I don't feel as if I drink like an alcoholic per se, but I have zero doubt that I think like an alcoholic. Um, Not to say that Any of you in the room that may or may not be alcoholics are twisted um, or think as such, but I know I do. Uh, I know that I can bend my mind and justify anything I do, manipulate a situation. And I just thought that was actually a gift of mine, an asset. And I remember going to a Dane AA meeting my first week, Um, not by choice. I had a friend that brought me and made me go. And one of the panelists was Carlos, and he was talking about the whole assets and defects and how what we thought were our assets are more than likely many of our defects. I argued with him. I'm like, I'm still alive. You know, and I don't know if he said it, but I mean Russell said it many some guy in fight club has said <laughs> it many times that, you know, that's what got you here. I'm like, Yeah. I'm like, I'm still alive, I'm still kicking. So that's been a hard one to wrestle with, you know. Who I am. Sarcastic. Um all the fun things that I thought were attributes and assets, they can be, but they were elements of survival, you know, defense mechanisms, humor, sarcasm, very familiar. I think that's why I enjoy you as much as I do.
0: Great minds. Yeah. Think alike. <laughs> Brian, what got you to your first meeting? <sighs>
2: childhood friend childhood friend who came out from California to spend a week with me to make sure I didn't go back to jail um, have any further fights with police officers or law enforcement or judges because that was my thing for the preceding couple of weeks This was a childhood friend. He was my best friend in sixth grade. We lost touch for many years, uh, for some twenty, some odd years, and then got back in touch. I don't like ten, fifteen years ago. But he saw it happening before I did. He. He saw where I was going, um, him and his girlfriend, also an old friend of mine, bailed me out of jail when no one else in my close family or friends would, um, kind of what got me here. Did your
0: drinking land you in jail?
2: oddly enough my drinking did not land me in jail um my thinking
0: mm-hmm. and that's why you said that you think like an alcoholic for sure
2: yeah right? I, something I've gone back and forth you know I've heard many times you know my drinking brought me to AA mm-hmm. my thinking has kept me here kind of from go I thought it was the opposite with me that and, you know I like to think I'm special as, you know my sponsor keeps telling me I'm not mm-hmm. but he did write on my two year um, birthday card that I am special to him, so. I'm
0: lying to me. So your friend saw something that you didn't see yet, which he, brought you to the first meeting, your first meeting
2: he he did he he saw me viciously running to my end. Um, I was in the process of burning my world down and everything around it, and yeah, I, I guess the final straw that actually brought me to a meeting was a, we know how long it was, three four hours standoff with the police um, at my house. Telling them things that they don't like to hear from a civilian. Which landed me in jail for eight days, which this friend bailed me out and then came out from California for a week to make sure I didn't go right back. And I'm sure I would have.
0: When you came to your first meeting then, was that it for you um, drinking-wise?
2: My last drink was on August 3rd 2021 no my last drink was august 2nd 2021 my sobriety date is august 3rd 2021 august 3rd 2021 was when i went and did a act of stupidity dead sober but still in my crazy mind um that got me in a little bit of trouble that accumulated on august 4th i went to jail for eight days and my buddy came out a few days later went to my first meeting around the 16th so I don't know if i answered your question
1: oh so you're a one chip wonder you just came into the program and stayed you didn't have like a relapse
2: huh. that sounds fun i i want to be that i no i have not relapsed in terms of having another drink no i my last drink was on the 3rd, my first meeting was on the 16th. I quit drinking to preempt what I saw coming from my ex, which would, was what I thought going to be using my past drinking against me. And I wanted to take that bullet, if you will, out of her chamber.
1: So I had a question, I was thinking about this timeline and with your sobriety date being um, in August of 2021, that means you were drinking through the pandemic. Like how, what did that look like for you? Did you drink more? Were you drinking at home or did it not affect you?
2: I don't think the pandemic had that much effect on my drinking. Um, I was a stay-at-home dad for about 11 years. And with the pandemic, um, I was at home with kids 24-7. My ex was... What did they call him?
1: Your sugar mama? Yeah.
2: (laughs) Turns out that way. Um, But not. The... Not the, pri- the the people that had to still go to work, the nurses, the police. What were they referred to in COVID? Oh. Essentials. Essentials. She's considered an essential. Mm-hmm. So, she was st- she was at home for maybe a few weeks, and then once being in Weld County, she still had to go in with great precaution, but. So to answer your question, no, the COVID, COVID did not up my drinking. It, I did what I had to do as a parent, but I think once <laughs> we came out of COVID, I think it kind of amped it up because, okay, the world's normal again. I can get out in the world. It kind of took it to another level, which I think is kind of what led to where I am now. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, I don't know, kid in a candy store, got to go out into the world again and drink and be normal or drink and be abnormal, I guess. Probably abnormal. Yeah. For us. Yeah. Right.
1: Catching up on lost time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then I did, did it quick. I did good. How was your first year in the rooms? Angry. Um, I remember, I think it was JR that we were talking about earlier, meeting him or talking to him after my two-year trip about a month ago, and him telling me that he remembered, you know, me when I first came in, and that I was just angry and argumentative, and, telling them you know how dumb they are and I'm like i did that really <laughs> like i like you i, I wouldn't do that so you probably didn't do it to me directly as a group because it's a lot easier to attack a group than an individual but i remember i wanted nothing to do with this i was there to support my friend who brought me in like well if you're an alcoholic elijah I, i'll i'll go with you Sure, it's the least I can do. Bail me out of jail. And I think I've told you this before. He wanted to go every day for the week that he was here. I'm like, that's that's a little bit excessive, but okay. That's what you do. I think like three or four days in, I'm like, do you really do this every day? His answer was, I do it when I need to. I think he was letting me... Realize that, you no know, man, this is a you thing. Like, yeah, I still do it, but you really need it. At the end of the week, I kind of figured that out because I'm dense. Um, so that's my experience. Have Was it there... my strength yet?
0: Well, here's so a I'm... question though: in that in your early sobriety. You know, when you're coming to the rooms, um, was there any moment that you felt like a light bulb just went off by what some by like somebody must have said something and something clicked? You know, did you do you remember any moments like that?
2: From the very first meeting. Even though I didn't think that I was an alcoholic early on you know, the drink or the thing. I'm just, no. I'm like, this is interesting. You know, I've known alcoholics. Apparently, you know, one of my best friends is an alcoholic. But I wasn't. I abused alcohol, without a doubt. I mean, I've had my share of run-ins with the law through alcohol and with my car and with another car and lots of, partial memories, Um, that first year I went from angry to the gift of desperation hit me probably four to six months in, like the consequences of everything was catching up to me, Like I wasn't there when I came in, I came in because a friend asked me to. Or I came in because a friend tricked me. I stayed in because he asked me to. And I knew that he was someone I loved and trusted. And was willing to do that. He's like, I want you to go to 90 meetings in 90 days. All right. I'll do that for you, Elijah. So I did. Um, Because I believe in, you know, your word and. Plus, I owed him a lot of money, so figured, you know, until I pay him off, I should at least do this. So I did that. I went to 90 meetings in 90 days. I avoided, like, the plague getting a sponsor. I don't know if it was right before that or right after that. I don't remember. Um, I would gander to say it was after, because had I quit going to meetings... While I had this sponsor, I'm sure I would have heard about it Uh, because I did. I hit my 90 days. I I did 91, actually, just out of spite. And then I stopped going for, I don't know, um, a week or so. I certainly didn't go every day. I might have done one or two the next week and then less the following. And I I did feel it. So, that's the first, right right after the first 90 days. Um, After that, and I think I was just pretty argumentative, angry, wanting to debate everything. And then I go and get a sponsor, and we're going through the book, and I'm arguing and debating everything um, with him. It was a little more because I didn't feel like I don't feel like there's like a bit a room of judgment in the meetings but you never know like there's that one person I was thinking it's probably you um but one-on-one with your sponsor who you know it starts out as being a really caring and friendly and open person they get tired of it after a while like I I was a couple months in, and I'd never seen this big, jovial man ever even look crossly at me. He actually got, I don't know if it was quite angry, but he he put his foot down, and he'd said it many times before, like, you're a grown man. Like, you can blame your problems on your parents. You're this, you're that. But if it's your parents until you're 18 years old, after that, you're a grown ass man and it's your problem. You figure it out. You know, you deal with it. It's not their problem anymore. They did the best they could with what they had. And oddly, being a parent now, I still didn't put that together. And going through, I know I'm kind of going down rabbit holes here. I completely forgot what your question was. But I'm going to keep going. Um, I've always joked with my sister, you know, about our parents, especially our mother. We had this button once. If you met my mother, you'd understand. Um, that... I had the belief, we had the belief that we're going to fuck up our kids. You know, it's just a matter of, you know, how much and will they be able to deal with it better than we have. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's just life. Um, We'll stop there because I'm going to go down weird rabbit holes. I
1: had a question for you when I was listening to your story. I was thinking like, how did your idea of God, like, did you grow up with an idea of God or did you get one coming into the rooms or how has that evolved? What does that look like?
2: I did not grow up with an idea of God. I did not grow up with God. I grew up not in a godless home, just we didn't speak up, not speak of it. Um my mom is jewish but wasn't raised in it my dad was catholic but he didn't I, i think they just agreed to not push anything upon us so i didn't have any sort of religion or god if you will and then was sent to a catholic high school which didn't change that. It just kind of educated me a little bit about a certain viewpoint. I've always believed in something more than us, but coming into AA, I still couldn't jive the two, you know, the higher power with what I believe to be more. And then y'all are calling it God which I understand that that's you know the term but that's all it was to me but you guys would say it with such confidence that it actually kind of broke my confidence in what I believed because yours is so strong you know you're God and I'm like well I just believe there's something more you know it's the same but yours is so much stronger so I struggled with that. Um, you know, your God is better than mine. So it's not fair. so why should I you know keep trying this whole God thing? Um, I've heard so many cliches and thoughts on this. I mean one of the the best one that took root with me, was when I had this same conversation, you know, um, can we say first names of people? Mm-hmm. Gabriel. Um, he hasn't gone to Johnstown primary in a while, but he was at that um, day in AA. And he was in that meeting for a while. I think he's got another home meeting now, but he, he, he basically saw me. He's like, you know what? My God is, is not better than your God. He's like, you know, when I struggled at first, he's like, God is hope. And that was something that I was able to kind of latch on to. There was something more to it. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. Learned is not the right word. I've absorbed a lot and I've been able to see things in a way that I never knew was uh, to live the life that I have now cuz it's, you know, kind of like recovering. Um, but to see things the way I do now, I didn't even think this existed. Um
0: What is it like today, then? Because you just had two years. That second year was probably vastly different than your first year. When you picked up your two-year chip and they asked you how to do it, what did you say?
2: Alfredo, I don't know if we've ever talked about my short-term memory. <laughs> it is not good. Um,
0: well, you don't have to be 100%. Yeah, what, no, what I mean... Said, but.
2: What would you say if
0: you got it today? How did I got you get that? Two years? How did I do? How it? Did That's you...
2: Much better. Thank you. Yeah. How did I do it? Probably because I I listened. I I kept coming back. I was told, you know, keep coming back. I kept coming back. Um, I leaned on, I guess, one of my strong suits, which is, I'll show up, I'm not always the timeliest, but I'll be there, I mean, I'll, I'll put in the work, not always exactly as I'm told, I've got this insistence upon, you know, doing it my way, and I went to, I met with my sponsor last week and, you know, I'm notoriously right on time, you know, to the minute or five minutes or nine minutes past today. Um, And I walk in, he's like, how's Brian today? I'm like, Brian's late. He's like, you showed up, which usually he razzes me on something, but I think I razzed myself. So he actually gave me that. And I think more than anything, that's how. I kept doing what I was told. I kept coming back because, like they say, I did and do see things in you all, in your life, that I didn't have. Uh, I'm not here to say that I do have it. But I can say that I've got a shot at it now. Um, I see things differently. I feel happy consistently, which I think is something that's always been evasive with me in my life. You know I've had it here and I've had it there. I've never felt it consistently always been very evasive, you know, almost got it. Got it for a little while. Hold on. It's going to get away. I don't feel like it's going anywhere. I feel like I can live happy. I feel like I can have the thing now that probably both my parents, I'm sure both my parents, but that I knew was the one thing my dad wanted for me more than anything was to be happy. And I always thought it was... he saw that I struggled with it. Um, My dad, probably that person I, you know, put on that pedestal, was an alcoholic. Um, He quit drinking in 1984, very similarly to myself. Uh, I'm told that he went to court And I don't know how many times he'd been prior. My guess is more than once. The judge offered him two options. You know, you can go to jail or you can go to rehab. I remember I was told he went to rehab. I don't know which one he chose. I'm guessing that was the same time. I've got a cool mug that has my name on it from when he was in rehab. A little ceramic mug. It's really cool. I'll bring it next time. Anyhow. The man stopped drinking in 1984, I don't know what month, I don't know what day. And I have very little doubt that that man never had another drink in his life until he died 2012. So there's that example. And then I have a stepfather that probably quit drinking sometime in the late 80s. He went through AA, so I struggled with, okay, AA is dumb because my stepfather's dumb. My dad quit on his own. All right. um, my dad never did AA, and I think my dad struggled with happiness. And in my first, I don't know what it was, probably the first 90 days, I went to a meeting in Loveland, and some guy stood up and in in his share he's like you know what I came in you know to these meetings did it for first my first year or two and I'm like you guys are idiots you know I don't need this need you guys so he said he spent the next 10 years sober but not in AA and he wasn't happy and he used the word words dry drunk in that meeting Explaining that he didn't have a program, he didn't have a way of living, he didn't, he didn't have these things, and he was just angry. And I'm like, that's that was my dad. And me and my dad are two very different people. I'm probably the man I admire most in this world. He had an odd sense of humor. Um, and I would fuck with him all the time because I just wanted attention. Um, he wasn't very attentive. He's a good person, but I would fuck with him and fuck with him. And one time I'm just like, you know, for fuck's sake, I'm not to cuss on this. Sure. Okay. Um, fudge. When the fuck did you lose your sense of humor? I don't think I used to fuck, but cause he didn't like that. He just turned around, and looked me dead in the eye. He's like, Brian, the day I quit drinking wow yeah so I didn't realize it in the time but you know coming in the rooms I'm like fuck you said that to a future alcoholic you know like I I need to hang on to this ring because I'm fucking funny you know and apparently I need that um so and and there was there was no humor in that statement I mean he could be very dry he could be you know, but it was almost you know I like caught him like pissed him off with that and that was his that was not a humorous statement that was this is my life um, he replaced alcohol with cigarettes Diet Pepsi and books um, I don't think the man ever found happiness. I think the glimpses he had were myself, my sister, at least me when I wasn't pissing him off or getting into trouble. But I didn't even know that, you know, I I think. And he just found a way to be content. I don't think he was ever happy. Um, so that that was a turn, that meeting was a turning point in my mind where it's just like, it's like, oh, that that was a a light bulb that you asked earlier. That I'm like, well, apparently drinking doesn't help me, and. Not drinking and not coming to these rooms could make me my dad. I love my dad. If I can be any, like any man in this world, it would be him. But I don't want that life, if you will. Like, there's more. Like, I, from an early age, I could see that there was more because a part of him just kind of shut off. Like, he was a good man, he didn't drink. He, I moved in with him. Later that year. But he he wasn't happy. He wasn't content. He didn't have the joy in his life that I see in the rooms. He didn't have the joy in his life that I want. um, That he wanted for me. I, I think kind of that's probably where that stemmed is... Shit. Maybe he didn't even know it was possible. Therefore, thus, just... I knew it was a want. Um,
1: Is that a factor that plays into like your relationship with your kids? Just like not wanting to be either not funny or not enjoyable for your kids. So seeking recovery so that you give them a different father or no.
2: If you reframe that in a way that I can understand, (laughs) the answer is probably yes. Um, How
1: how does that play out with now you being the dad with your kids?
2: um, I don't want to be that dad. I want to be that man. I want to be that father. But I want to be a better daddy. And I think that's the best way. I've been able to wrap my mind, my head around it. My dad was an amazing man and human being. He was my rock. But I didn't have a daddy, per se. I didn't have someone that, you know, an attaboy. I didn't get hugs. Hugs from men came in AA. Um, I don't think I even had that really with, you know, my boys from high school. Um, It was foreign. I mean, the amount of man hugs that are in A.A., more commonly known as Fight Club, (laughs) is unusually different for me and the fellowship that, you know, we didn't know we were seeking that. I mean, it's so many cliches that I always thought were dumb. I... I live by them. I say them, you know, and become a cliche for nothing kind of thing. But yeah, I, I want to be emotionally available to my kids. I want to show them happiness. I want to show them that it is available to them. Um, I thought my happiness was in a drink. The convention that you asked me, you know, did I enjoy it? I did not not enjoy it, but I'm still in the process of getting to know myself socially without drinking. Um, my home group at uh, Johnstown Primary, they had a Thanksgiving potluck uh, my first year. It was probably, yeah, and I tested myself. I'm going to go to this. I'm gonna, you know, I make a good pumpkin pie. I brought, I brought a burnt pumpkin pie to the Thanksgiving call. <laughs> and I told Dave and Gigi, I'm like, I think I burnt it. I'm like, do you want to try it? They're like, no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, maybe this year we can do a redo on that and uh, have I, another Thanksgiving. The point of it
2: and... was I hated it. Mm. I hated it. Like, I had met, you know, probably half the people in the room i was so uncomfortable so uncomfortable it was a room full of people that i didn't really know like an aa thanksgiving i'm like i would have had two drinks on the way to that and then with a third one in hand you know while i was there just so i could deal with (laughs) (laughs) um
1: but i don't think you're alone in that many of us go to those things in early sobriety feeling the same way
2: well, thank you. It's a little more comforting. Um, can't get that fun experience back, but thank you.
1: The tattoo on your arm, the keep going, mm-hmm. is that a recovery thing or did you have that before? I've, been, I've always wanted to ask you this.
2: Yeah. Um, I got it in recovery. This is actually my dad's writing in a oh, book cool. that he wrote. Um, he wasn't really much of a giver of anything emotionally. Um, I caught him the day after of what was probably the happiest I've ever seen the man, which was the morning after my sister's wedding. We were all at that big breakfast banquet table. I was just doing my thing, probably still drunk from the night before. I had this book um by poet probst or something like that really cool book it's a questionnaire you know and i had some people you know writing it i had him and usually he just kind of pushes it but he was happy um i put it in front of him and he there's a list of questions which they eat at me when I when I read them now. But the last question on the bottom of the page is, what's your favorite motto? Yeah. And he wrote that. Keep going. So I, this is my only tattoo. I thought if I ever got one, that would probably be what it was. And I got it last November on his birthday. Um, not a tattoo person. I always thought, I don't want one. I'm like, that I have commitment issues. I'm committed to this now. But it's probably one of the...
0: Well, it's a statement, though. How does that statement hit you? It, it, in
2: so many different ways. I think I think it was his life, and I think he was also telling me something. And I see it at least, you know, minimum every every time I take a shower, you know, or with Jeteran get to see it. It makes me happy. It makes me happy. It reminds me, um, on so many different levels and so many different ways. Um, you know, I wanted a place that was personal, you know, that it was mine. You know, I didn't want to, I mean, it probably would have been good there. Just remind people, you know. He's pointing at his forehead. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> Too bad we didn't have visual for this podcast.
0: Brian, your story's fascinating. I'm really glad you came and shared it. Um, if you could give yourself a piece of advice now to that Brian in the first year, or maybe the first 30 days, what would you tell yourself?
2: Listen more. Talk less. I think I was... Talking more, so I wouldn't have to listen. I think I just delayed the process more. Um, Yeah, listen more. I've heard many people say that when they went into the rooms, that were told, you know, you don't, you don't say anything for the first thirty days. That's all I did for the first 30 days. Like, all right, my turn. Um, I Look back at how naive I was and how in my own head I was. Still am, you know, just more and more trying to be more present.
1: Isn't that the truth? We could all use that.
2: I think so. I mean, that's more than anything. What I have now that I've never had before is. I almost said the ability to be a present and it's not quite that. Um, I'd love to say that I have the ability to be present. It's still not completely in my control. So it is still something that I think I'm moving towards. And I feel like I'm present most of the time, which I can't say that for most of my life.
0: Well, thanks, Brian. That'll be a wrap.
1: Yeah. Do you want to tell everybody where they can follow us?
0: You can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can also see us at recoveryedge.podbean.com and recovery edge on our youtube channel i'll put that in the show notes
1: and give us a like and a follow
0: sure or comment let us know what you think about the show yeah and uh and maybe even brian (laughs) yes thank you so much thank you thank you guys thank you for checking out the show remember you can find us on spotify apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast episodes leave us a review and share us with your friends. If you would like to be on the show, email us at recoveryedge2020 at gmail.com. If you want to help support the show, you can Venmo us at Recovery Edge. This helps us with server costs and other fees. We greatly appreciate it. Remember, you can visit our YouTube channel as well. Share that with your friends. Links will be provided in the show notes. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode.